Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 185 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Happy New Year, happy goal setting, and happy to have you on, my best buddy, Sam Marks. Hey, Johnny. I love the tan. You look so, I don't know if it's the, uh, do I have a, a high definition screen, but you look really like smooth. Skin is looking good this year. You look radiant. I think 2018 is looking good for you. I, I appreciate that. Actually, I've been looking in the mirror every day telling myself, that, you know, the goal of my life is to give love to myself first so I can have love mm-hmm. to give to others. And part of that is eating healthy, getting back in shape, you know, having the energy to be able to to thrive. And that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast is so we can talk about our goals for 2018 as well as do as do a recap of 2017 because I think we've both done some pretty interesting things. It has been an interesting year and goals are extremely important. I know you do a lot of goal setting each year. I was just at this house or I am at this house for New Year's and one of my buddies brought up, so what's everyone's goals for 2018? And everyone just goes, quiet, I'm watching the movie. Oh, quiet, I'm watching TV. And uh, I think that if you are an ambitious person, goal-oriented, that has a forecast for where you want to be in life, you have to write down very, very specific goals each year. And then at the end of the year, you have to really do a recap and see how far you got. And it's, 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 it's super important. I don't think enough people do it. I think people set really abstract goals. But if you want to get somewhere in life, you have to bake very, very specific goals and you have to measure what matters most. Yeah, I 100% agree. Everyone who I've known who has had big goals, everyone who's been really, really successful, all the multimillionaires I know, they all had very specific goals. Even if it was just something like, I want to have a Lamborghini one day. And they would have a poster on the wall of that specific car they wanted. They had it in their mind all the time. I'm curious if you grew up with any any goals or ambitions like that. Oh, yeah, massively. I was always an extremely visual person. And I, I grew up similar background to you, kind of middle, lower class, never had a lot of new things. My friends always had decent cars. We always had used cars. My roof, like my ceiling growing up as a kid was only like, I want to say it was seven foot high. So every time I took my shirt off, I would like hit my hands on my fan and stuff. It was just like a lot of limiting things growing up. But I was also living in South Florida. So there's a lot of wealth and a lot of people that had made it. I think the most important thing that I ever did in my entire life was create a list, basically a bucket list. But my bucket list included a lot of goals that I wanted to reach. It wasn't like before I died. It was I wanted to reach these by the time I was 30 years old. And I grew the, you know, I created the list. I put it out there. I started trying to do two or three things each year. And naturally, my list grew as I got more and more and more ambitious. But, you know, the the goals, the goal setting and, and creating very, very specific goals is the most important part. There's a book called Alchemist, which kind of talks about, you know, the fable, but it talks about how powerful it is to follow your dreams. And when you create things, and it's specifically when you write something down on pen and paper, create that goal, and you put that goal out there and you live your life following that goal, the, the universe does really, really bizarre things to help you achieve those goals. Something that we may never be able to understand, but there's definitely a power in energy and there's definitely a power in quantum physics. And when you write something down and you actually act on that intention, 
weird things happen to help you achieve those goals. Yeah, it's strange because neither of us are very woo-woo or very like ultra-spiritualist or you know ultra-religious or anything like that. So I think a lot of people listening to this podcast might think, wow, that's kind of surprising that both you and Sam think that way. But it just works. It's one of those weird mm-hmm. things that, you know, there's, it's almost no downside. If you <laughs> write down goals, you take, you know, what, an hour a month or something to really, you know, reflect and look at them again and clarify your, your goals and your, your dreams and your ambitions and have positive thoughts towards it. It costs nothing. And the upside could be everything. Yeah. So of course, everyone's familiar with the book, The Secret. You might call it foo-foo. I think it's very real, especially if you read it at an impressionable point in your life. There's another book called The Power of Intention that is similar to The Secret, but it talks about you have to really act on this. You have to act on these goals. You can't just write down an idea or a goal and expect it to happen. You have to actually go out and take the initiative. And that's that's the most important part, right? It's the initiative in chasing that goal and the steps and the progress on up towards achieving that goal that that make it a reality. Yeah, definitely. If you just say you want to, you know, have a million dollars in the bank, but you sit on the couch and just order pizza all day and then spend all of your money every time you get a paycheck, you're probably never going to become a millionaire, no matter how badly you want it or how much you think about it. What was your first financial goal? <sighs> Man, it was it was six hundred bucks a month. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. All right. And what's what's so silly about that? So I actually am not a great example of someone who set big goals. And I think that's actually what's limited limited me from making more money. But my goal was so small. I wanted to be able to make $600 a month, you know, through online income. And that way I can always be comfortable and I can always live in a cheap place like Thailand. Mm-hmm. The good news about me having that goal was, you know, having the foundations to even like pretty much if you could make a hundred dollars a month online in supplemental income. So not from your main job from, you know, a truly passive income that gives you the base to be able to scale and grow that. So luckily I took that $600 a month and I've been able to scale that to, you know, 6,000 or more. But honestly, what has really held me back is not having that big enough goal of, you know, of wanting more. And part of it is my fault because you know, in the heart of me, I'm a minimalist, you know, I am frugal, I enjoy good value, I enjoy not having crazy things and, you know, um, and not wasting money. And, uh, and a lot of that was just growing up in an Asian family that was, you know, pretty poor. My parents made, I think, like $30,000 a year or something. And yeah. I just never really dreamt that big. And also, I, I never wanted the stress of of having expensive things. Uh, but now, actually, my my goal that I has have discovered uh, at Date with Destiny is last year my goal was to be able to to retire my parents and just give them enough money where they can kind of get by without having to work. So my mom, you know, if you guys haven't heard the story, you know, last year she started having you know problems with her feet and you know she was getting she had to go get surgery. And before she did, I, I said to her, I was like, look, surgery is not going to solve the problem. You know, just standing around in in shoes all day, being a waitress. You know, it, you know, when you're in your late fifties, that's the problem. And I yeah. told her, I said, you know what? You know, you're not making that much as a waitress, anyways. Let me just replace that income for you, which is about a thousand dollars a month. And I've been very happy that she was able to quit that job and just, you know, now she just does what she loves, which is playing this Chinese uh, violin <laughs> called the Urfu, and that allows her to sit <laughs> and allows her to, to do what she loves. And honestly, I've been a bit stressed these last couple of months when I was not working and I was living off of passive income mode and maintenance mode because that $1,000 a month 
was a big burden for me. And, you know, cause in passive, pure passive income without working at all, my yeah. income dropped to about 6,000 a month, which to a lot of people listening, they might still think, Oh, that's amazing. But when, you know, you factor in your own living expenses, then you factor in having to take care of someone else. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing other things like paying their property tax and things like that. So it really adds up. I was stressed thinking, there's a chance I'm not going to be able to pay this one day. And the last thing I want to do is tell my mom when she's 70 saying, Hey, you got to go back to, you know, standing on your feet eight hours a day. Cause I can't, I can't pay for it anymore. So my mm-hmm. new goal is to make so much money that I can aim and not necessarily that I'm going to get to this point, you know, anytime soon, but just having that goal of aiming that I make so much money that I can afford to give them 10,000 a month and let them live in, you know, luxury that they've never had is new, my new driving force. But I think if you're going to make that goal reality, you have to put a specific number on it. So if you want to give them 10,000 a month, that means you need to make, say, whatever. Maybe it's maybe it's a net amount or maybe it's a, maybe it's a monthly amount or a yearly amount. But let's say that you want to be net 2.5 million or you want to have income a month of, you know, 30,000 30, or something like that. But make it a specific goal that would allow you to feel comfortable in giving that type of money to your parents. Because if you just make the goal, I need to make so much money that I can do something, it won't happen. But if you make it a specific thing, then you really, really get in line with that goal. Oh, I like that a lot. So let's do the math on that. So that would be 120000 a year to be able to give away, which means if I can... If I can get that and not have it be stressful, that means I need how much? So if let's say that's 10% of what I'm making a year, I need to have 1.2 million. Right. Yeah. Right. Because because you could say, oh, you could do that off 500,000 a year, but then you got to remember you're, you are probably going to pay 30% in tax. So, you know, it goes quick, right? That's 150,000 off 500, which leaves you with 350,000. If you're giving 120 to your parents, all of a sudden you don't have much left, right? Mm -hmm. But the other way you could look at it is instead of saying, I need to make 500,000 a year, which is a lot of money to make a year, you could say, I need to, you need to have a big gain, a big capital gain. Mm -hmm. Like you could build it and sell something for 200, 2.5 million. And then you could, you could invest that money and have enough money to pay them that money forever, right? Instead of trying to make 500,000 a year, try to make 2.5 million in in one big windfall and then that would have the, the basically the same benefit but might be a, an easier course to that end. Yeah, I like that because I just did the math. If I have 2.5 million in net worth, that allows me to be able to give them, you know, 125,000 a year just from the investment gains that I'll I'll get from it. Right. So essentially right. it'll cost me nothing. So that's the goal. 2.5 million right. in net worth. There you go. Make it a reality. Write it down. Tell everyone you know about it. Work to that end. Yeah, and I think that's a great goal. A very, a very selfless goal, and it's uh, yeah, because a good one. you know, honestly, I, if it was just for myself, I would just come up with excuses on why I don't need it or why I don't, I don't want to to work that hard for it. You know, especially because I'm perfectly happy just living a pretty simple life. You know, I'm, you know, I've mm-hmm. kind of grown grown up as someone who just enjoys like the simpler things. And that's actually a big reason why my income slipped. But now by having a goal that has nothing to do with me, it's, it's a reason to work hard and, you know, to, to have, be more driven. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so I know, you know, if, if anyone hasn't listened to our other podcast, invest like a boss, I want you guys to 
hop over right after this or even just just pause this and hop over if you guys are really excited about the money-making portion of it because Sam and I do a, a weekly podcast called Invest Like a Boss. And in episode 81, we talk about our New Year financial goals, what we did in 2017 to make money, as well as kind of, you know, the financial investing side of it. So even if you don't have enough money to invest yet, I think that's a great episode to listen to because it really sets the pace on what is possible. You know, it gives you the mindset of, of how to invest like a multimillionaire and become, you know, the 2.5 millionaire or more. So take a listen to episode 81, Invest Like a Boss. And that's where we basically had the other second half of this episode, um, but about the finances. So now that you've kind of, I don't want to say you've made it financially, but you know, you can basically do what you want to do um, mm-hmm. in terms of travel and lifestyle. Like, what are your goals? Well, I put the financial side to bed for a minute. Uh, I still have a big financial goal out there that I would like to try to get to in the next three years. I had, I had, I, I when I created my bucket list of life goals. And things I want to do, everything ranging from adventure, tra- uh, countries to visit, financial goals, just you know, ego boosting things, all types of things. In my list, my financial goals I wrote down were the first one to attain was to make and save four hundred thousand dollars. Basically, save four hundred thousand dollars. My second one, which was in parallel, was pay off my parents' mortgage. My third one was to make a million dollars in a day, which you basically would do through some type of big royalty or through building and selling something. My fourth one was to create $200,000 a year in passive income. My fifth one was to, cr- to make $10 million in net wealth. And my sixth one was to create, to make $20 million in net wealth. So this last year, I crossed off two more of the five. So I've now completed five of the six. And so I Dude, have the big one. congratulations, ones. man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, this is, this has been a journey alongside yeah. you, right? And I'll tell you what, like the first two were much more cool than the last two, right? The last two kind of happened. This was a really stressful year for me. And I realized that, you know, chasing money is is certainly not the the be all end all of what what makes you happy, right? Getting to 400,000 a year was much, much cooler than getting to 10 million in net wealth. And I think the same will be true for, you know, hopefully getting to 20 million one day. But my goals, my goals are changing quite a bit, right? My, you know, they're not, they're definitely not strictly financial. I'm putting a lot, a lot of the ego, a lot of the travel, a lot of the, the adventure, the notoriety, a lot of that stuff I'm putting to side. And you're reminded around the holidays that of what's really important, which is like quality time with your family, quality time with friends, you know, selfless stuff. Like right now I'm, I'm staying at a house with uh, 10 guys I went to college with and three of their dogs. And we're literally just, we bought a bunch, uh, two cases of two buck Chuck from Trader Joe's, you know, Trader Joe's. So we have like 20 bottles of wine, of $2 wine, and we're just sitting around watching The Office. So you're, you're kind of reminded of those things, especially on, on the way up, that a lot of times when you're chasing the money, like I did last year, you get yourself into a lot of conflicts, a lot of stress, a lot of unpleasant situations. And of course, there's there's the the euphoric moments when you when you hit these things, but it's sort of diminishing returns along the way, right? So I'm just trying to reshape things around what I know about happiness. Like I've studied happiness a lot the last two or three years. I know for sure what makes you happy. I know what makes me happy. 
I don't always follow that path. Sometimes I take a path of, of more, you know, financial goals and self-serving goals, but I know what I, I need to do to make myself happy. I don't, whether I follow that course or not is kind of a yearly decision based around my goals for that year. Uh, but this year will definitely be more around a, a, around having a, a very good community around me and less self-serving goals. I, I love it, man. That's really cool. And uh, you know, one really f- thing that I'm very happy for that, that you started doing is you started doing like a yearly long walk. And how mm-hmm. how did that actually start? Was was Kosamoy the first year, or like like what was the origin of of these yearly long walks? Yeah, so Kosamoy was the first year. That was two years ago, and. I really enjoy having space. Uh, as much as I enjoy being around friends and community, I, I also love having just absolute space where it's, it's one schedule of my own. It's a place that is either inspiring or there's there's a good element of good attributes around. So Kosamui is obviously awesome. You're around Thai people, beautiful beaches, paradise. And what I realized is I just I like a, a very simple format and a simple routine. I mean, this this goes totally contrary to what a typical day is for me, which is like 40 things on a to-do list and a 12-hour workday and a lot of other crazy things. But when you just get out, and we learned this also on the Ireland Walk, which I can mention in a second, but when all your day is, is waking up, having a coffee, walking, or doing something that's extremely you know, rudimental for four, five, six hours a day, finishing and then by that time you're 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 wiped out, exhausted, and then your your night is basically reading a book, having a meal, and going to sleep. First off, your day is very very simple. It's goal oriented. You're in nature. You get exercise, and you know your transactions per day, your cost per day go down to like two things. It's like hotel, food, coffee. Whereas a typical day, especially in Thailand, I'm spending like out of pocket thirty times a day because everything's good value. But when you get to that simple form of life and you have a lot of time to think, you have a lot of time to read, you listen to audiobooks, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't think I could do it all year round, but after the Kosamui walk and you have that sense of accomplishment, I fell in love with that that type of trip. It makes it so much more memorable and enjoyable than, you know, a trip just to go sightsee and party. That I, w- I always wanted to walk across the country. So then we put together the Ireland walk, which we did last year, and that was easily you know the best the best point of last year yeah that was actually one of the the best points of my year as well uh if you guys haven't seen the video for that it's it's amazing i think i've already embedded sam's uh drone footage as well if i haven't i'll i'll put it up right now after this episode but just go to johnnyft.com and search for ireland and you can see our walk on the wicklow way and then sam's continued journey all the way across ireland to <laughs> galway yeah, that was, I mean, that was insane. That was, that was a beast. That was 20, ended up being 28 days in total. And for about 14 days in between, like after you left, when we did the Wicklow Way together, Wicklow Way was amazing. I think we ended it, your journey on a 40, uh, was it 40K or 50K? I think it was 50K over 30 miles, which is about as long as any humans can walk in a day. Like if you research military history, 30 miles in a day is pretty much the limits of any march from Alexander to the Falkland Islands with the British special troops. Like that is, that is extreme. Uh, and after that, that was a great part of the walk. After that, we did the Midlands. It wasn't as great. It was really enduring. Uh, I had a lot of questions like, should we, should we just leave? This isn't, it's not worth it anymore. 
And if we hadn't been doing it for that charity, charitable cause and I already had like 70 people donate to it, I probably would have left. But it's one of those trips that it's not great every single day. But once you finish, every single day that you reflect on it, it gets that much better. And all of a sudden, like you get to a point now where I'm like, wow, that was just that was one of the best trips ever. And, you know, I would like to do so. I don't think I'm going to do something like this in 2018, uh, but I would like to do something similar to this every single year as far as I can imagine. You know what? Let's do a, a shorter version this year. It doesn't have to be, you know, a 30 day walk like you've done or a month long walk. Yeah. But I, I think these like seven to 10 day walks are the perfect amount of time because really, you know, even though it's a big commitment of a week, it's doable. Like it's, you know, if we can't slip in, you know, seven days in a year, then there's something wrong with our lives. For sure. And that, that guys, anyone out there listening, like the conversation, if you bring some good friends, like we had a, such a good group on the Ireland walk, the conversations you have, like you're not playing on your phone, you're not distracted by things. It's you, nature, and some good friends, and you're talking about life and the important things. It's it's a really good experience. Johnny, I think this year what, what it looks the best is we're talking about going to Iceland in June, and instead of walking, we're talking about riding bicycles. There's a basically a perimeter road that goes all the way around Iceland. It's about 800 miles, which actually end up... <laughs> But actually on a bike, it's quick. Like you could do that in eight days, right? If it's it's pretty much flat. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what we're considering doing. Okay. So I'll definitely look into that. Iceland sounds beautiful. Um, sure it is. So I'll definitely consider doing that. I'm really excited that we actually just started our kind of a personal Facebook group for planning, hiking or trekking, I guess, up to Everest Base Camp in 2019. Okay, so I, I saw that group, but I was confused because you were originally talking about doing it in 2018. So is that for sure a 2019 thing? Yeah, because I realized that you know hiking to, to base camp is not an easy easy trip. It's uh-huh. uh, I think it takes about 14 days. This is two two weeks of walking. Well, not even walking, but climbing up to the mountains, and it's a very very high you know climb. It's yeah. um, I think it's like 16,000 feet or something. So you know, higher than most high mountains that you'll you'll climb. And the reason why it takes two weeks to do it is not only because, you know, there's snow and it's it's difficult, but also the elevation's so high that if you do it too quickly, you know, you get altitude sickness and you gotta have a helicopter evac and basically you die. So instead of trying to fit it in this year without too much planning or, or training, by having it be a goal 13, 14 months from now, it gives us something to to focus on, to you know, plan for, but really to physically prepare for. That's the way to do it. I'm glad. I'm definitely down to do that in 2019. It's something that has been on my list for a long time. I, I did Bhutan by myself two years ago, and I it made me not want to do Everest Base Camp because when I was in Bhutan by myself for like eight days, I was just like, wow, this is so incredibly boring. Like it was beautiful. But the the altitude got to me a bit. I, I got altitude sickness on uh, Kota Kinabalu going back a few years ago. It's probably one of the most unpleasant feelings in the entire world. And Everest Base Camp is a beast. Like I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do 14 days just out there doing that. But if you do it with a group, I think it would be an absolutely incredible experience. But like like you said, I think it needs it needs a solid six to, months to a year of thought and planning before you just go jump into it. Yeah. Once you're there, you're also disconnected. Like you got to be able to shut everything down for 
for probably three weeks. Yeah. So I, I love the goal for that to have our businesses so automated that we can check out for two or three weeks at a time without internet, yeah. that we can be physically fit enough where we won't, you know, we won't be dying. Cause I also climbed Mount Kinabalu and the problem with that place is because it's the easiest of the high mountains. So it's 4,000 mm-hmm. meters, which is about 15,000 feet. It's one of those things where a lot of people don't really plan for until like a few weeks or a month before they get to Asia. Cause they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. what's there to do in Borneo? What's there to do in, yeah. in Indonesia? And they're like, Oh, <laughs> let's climb this mountain. And that's yeah. why I think 25% of people don't make it to the top. The people that do make it to the top, unless you're already super fit from something else, you feel like you're going to die. And I felt the exact same way. And I never want to go through that feeling again of, you know, just, just like wanting to puke out my guts for the last, you know, four hours of yeah. walking. Uh, yeah. So the goal really is, you know, to, to have the challenge, but without feeling like I'm going to die. And it sounds silly, but that is going to be the happiest thing I'll ever do is be able to, to get to Everest Base Camp without feeling like I'm going to, you know, literally pass out. So in, I know in 2016, I, I listened to back to one of our episodes about a year ago. 2016, you and I both went to 17 countries. And we were saying in 2000, I'm sorry, 2016, we went to, two, to 17 countries apiece, even though we didn't follow the same travel agenda. And in 2017, we were talking about dialing it down because 2016 was just like this massive whirlwind. So I did. I figured out that I just added it up. I went to 10 countries. I'm still pretty exhausted from it. Do you know how many you got to? Yeah, I'm really excited. I actually just wrote my 2017 year in review on johnnyfd.com. So you guys can read that. But I'm very, very proud of myself. I only went to eight countries. All right. All right. All right. All right. So we did. We did. We dialed it down significantly. Yeah. So that was my goal was to go to less places but stay in each one longer so i spent mm-hmm. two and a half months on the canary islands i spent two and a half months in bali i spent two and a half months in ukraine i spent two and a half months in thailand so really just was a lot easier to to live a normal life get into a routine you know and just be able to to you know really settle in to a place versus having it all go by and having it be a blur. Yeah, I agree. I, I still feel like at the end of this year that I had done too much. What I like to do each year is try to get to a couple new countries. So I, another big goal of mine is to get to 100 countries, which I'm now in striking distance of. I think I'm, I think I'm just past 90. Um, I might be able to get to 100 this year, although I'm not in a rush, so I don't want to stretch it. But I got to my two new countries I got to this year were Andorra, which is an awesome awesome little country sandwiched in between spain and france it's like a little bit of switzerland it's a really really cool place highly recommend it and i got to i got to cuba nice yeah yeah yeah, i got to cuba so that was a cool one as well um and i think these are kind of just things that as a digital nomad or someone who's location dependent that can work online or make money online it's good to have these goals because it gives us something, us something to look forward to. So even if you guys are just starting out and your goal is just to be able to come to Thailand, you know, just to be able to live cheap in one country, it's kind of nice to hear what else is possible because I think the worst thing that someone can do is come to a place like Thailand and be trapped here because you feel like this is it, you know, that you can't afford yeah. to go anywhere else, that your, you know, your visa run is 
is going to be determined by whatever the cheapest flight you can find on AirAsia it is, you know, staying for the least amount of time possible, maybe even coming back the same day just to save money on hotels. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's saddening to me because that was almost my life. And that was actually my life for a while where I was literally making visa runs by going into a minivan, crowded bus, sitting in a car for six hours, stamping my passport at the closest border, and then literally just driving straight back and just, you know, not enjoying life, you know, like literally being in a, a 250 baht taxi for 10 hours. Yeah, I found it interesting the last couple of years. I went from when I when I had the business in Britain, I had very few options. I had kind of weekend options, but I knew my life was going to be between Scotland and China. And I didn't have a lot of options outside of that. And now I'm at a point where the options are sort of unlimited. And that's that's actually a struggle. I think having having options is good. Having too many options or unlimited options is actually really bad because you never get settled in the head. And that's that's something that's, I, I think, an evolving challenge, especially for, you know, digital nomads that they can live anywhere, they can be anywhere. You got to do kind of like what you did. You have to be able to dial it down and say, okay, instead of going to 20 countries this year and doing everything I want to do, let's try to focus a little bit more on quality of life and and more of a real routine and real structure. Because when you get into this habit of just, getting on a plane and going wherever your heart desires, it's, it's not a, it, it doesn't end up becoming a good thing. It's, it's a thrill for a little bit, but it ends up leaving you really unfulfilled and dissatisfied, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I think there's a big, big movement towards what I would call digital nomad 2.0 or long-term nomading, especially now that we've had a lot of friends who have been doing this for three, you know, two, three, four years. And instead of Going back home, you know, being burnt out and saying, okay, I, I give it all up. There's a lot of people who are settling down in different countries still, but for longer periods of time, whether it's six months at a time or, or even longer. Yeah, love it. So what's, you know, what's on your, your agenda for 2018? I, first off, I think it's really great that it seems like you've, you're rekindling a lot of your travel d- desire because I thought you were going to kind of stay in one place a lot, lot longer, not like two months, but maybe look for like a home base for like six months. It seems like you got a lot on the agenda for 2018, 2019, which I'm secretly selfishly happy with because I'm hoping we can tie in. Yeah, dude, you are always invited to wherever I am. You can just show up. You know, we have to say, Johnny, I'm coming. You can just just check my Instagram and just show up. And actually, to all of you, it's not that I'm gonna, you know, necessarily become your roommate or spend <laughs> that much time with you. But I always love meeting up people who listen to the podcast. So if you guys are ever in the same city, just give me a shout. And let me know, and we can try to do a meetup over coffee or something. Uh, especially if we can get a group together with enough people to all hang out. So. My goal for 2018, actually, it's funny that you brought that up, was about a month ago, before going to Tony Robbins' uh, date with Destiny, I really wanted to settle down somewhere. And I was thinking, do I want to settle down in Thailand, the Canary Islands, or back in the US somewhere? Because I felt like I needed that certainty of comfort and having you know a place where I'm living, I can kind of create a life. And what I got out of that seminar, uh, Date with Destiny, uh, one of the big takeaways was that I just have to be okay with a little bit of uncertainty in my life. And it really is just having that balance and chasing certainty is a certain way of being unhappy because we can't control others. We can't control what happens in the world. And uh-huh. 
the only thing we can control is the way we react to it. So by me wanting to live in one place and having chasing that certainty of everything being the same and, and, uh, you know, being comfortable and being, you know, just knowing what's going to happen is going to drive me nuts because we can't control that. So now, you know, I realized, Hey, I'm just going to be happy where I, wherever I am. Uh, I'm going to be open to settling down to, you know, having long-term plans or opportunities, you know, whether it's relationship-wise or, or other, but I'm not going to f- try to force it. And that's made me a lot happier and a lot kind of just more mentally free. That's cool, man. That's deep. I like the, the Date with Destiny reference. I have been going through a lot of the same. In fact, going into this new year, my goal was to find a home base in the U.S., what I realized is I enjoy going to Asia so much because I have a home base there. I have a closet there. I have an apartment in Chiang Mai at the same building you stay at that is turnkey. Like as soon as I get off the plane, I'm there, I'm home. And that's a really comfortable grounding feeling. And when I go anywhere else in the world, it's the opposite. And for most places that's okay. Like Europe, it's fine. South America, it's fine. Cause I know I'm going to those places for vacation. I'm not going to live there long term. But when I go to the U.S., it's a really uncomfortable feeling because I'm from the U.S. When I come here now, it's all hotels, which it sucks staying at hotels in the U.S. They're expensive. They're low quality for the most part for the price. But then I get to like my parents' house. Like I stay at my parents' house or stay at my sister's house. And I feel like I'm an inconvenience. Like I'm a kid or a nuisance. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm staying there for extended periods of time. And I never feel like I'm home in the U.S. anymore. I don't have a closet. And it's really, really uncomfortable. So my big goal was find a home in the U.S. And every place that I've been over the last six weeks, I've been on Zillow looking at real estate. I've been meeting with realtors. I've gone to I've looked at actual properties to buy in San Diego, Tahoe, uh, Greenville, Nashville. I'm going up to Asheville next week. And I just did three days in Savannah and now I'm in Jacksonville and like every single place because every place is an option. Every place is an option. And it's like, it's kind of, it kind of mentally F's you, you know, cause like I, <laughs> it's just too much. And I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I definitely feel the need to set up a home base here and get a closet here. Cause it's, it's too uncomfortable. Just keep traveling back and forth each year w- without a home. I like it. You know, one thing you could do is instead of having it be like, a home base that you leave empty year round is you can find some kind of like turnkey either condo, you know, or something kind of like low maintenance or, you know, I guess it can even be like a, a, a home, but with the property manager, have one closet that you have a lock on that you can just keep all your stuff in that closet. And then whenever you want to go back, just make sure that place is, is available. And that way you can, you know, you can actually technically have places in all five of those cities as long as they're cash flowing and still have that feeling of being able to go back to the same place, having your closet. Yeah, I'm looking at those options, man. That that would be a really cool thing to do where like you, you own a place, you rent it out for eight year, eight months a year, but then you still are able to use it for a month a year. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I love being at my buddy's place. Like I wish I could just rent a room at his and keep a closet there permanently. But, you know, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm an adult now. I have the finances to do it. I might as well just buy a place. And Johnny, what else I really love doing? I love inter- hosting and entertaining people. Mm-hmm. And this in November, December, I had a bunch of friends come out to Chiang Mai and was able to host them. It was great. Like, I love to be able to do that. And I can't do that in the U.S. So I, I do need to get a place. It's um 
it's just a matter of time. I just got to find the right location. Okay. I love it. It's a great goal for 2018 to do. Uh, one of my goals, living situation-wise, was to live in nicer places. So one of my big goal uh, here in Chiang Mai was to be able to move into that big room with the floor-to-ceiling windows, the big living room, the separate bathtub from the separate shower. And I've been looking at this place literally for four years when I when I first started making money online, thinking one day I'm going to be able to afford that. And financially, it never made sense because even though I was technically able to afford it a few years ago, it was you know four times the price or three times the price of my smaller room in the same building. And I just couldn't justify paying you know two, three times the price for mm-hmm. just a little bit more space or a little bit more natural light or a little bit more comfort. And this year that I'm living in this baller room with my giant windows and I can see the mountains and the swimming pool and you know have that peace... It is so worth it. It's it's worth every penny. I didn't even notice you're in one of the corner units. Yeah, buddy. It's uh, what, what 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 room? Oh, well, I don't know if I want to tell anyone on the uh, on the podcast. I don't want people knocking my door, but uh, I can guess it. I can guess it. Yeah. It's either it ends. It, does it end in a two? Yeah, it definitely does. And it is okay. It you're is you're on the you're five oh two. You're five oh two. Great. Thank, thanks for telling everyone <laughs> the world. <laughs> So I own 602 and 702. So I'm, we, we're the ones right above you. Those units are amazing. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, so I live in 602. I rent out 702. That's my home, right? And you have like the closet, you have a great view, you have a good community there. If I went to Asia without that, and every time I was just going with a suitcase, like I got to figure it out again, I don't think I could do it. But I know I have a home back there. And that feeling is something that I want to replicate in the US and I don't have it here. And now when I'm here, I'm like, I just feel like I'm an inconvenience, I'm a nuisance. I'm either asking people to stay at their places or burning money at La Quinta in shitty hotels. And I, I wanna get a place. So it's either gonna be Denver or I'm looking at Savannah. And those are two great cities to be able to host people and also connect to either Europe or Asia. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting a nostalgia looking at your 502 unit and. <laughs> in Chiang Mai, because I love it's it's such a good little house. Yeah, home. I, I I absolutely love it here. And if anything, I'm okay now with just you know having a couple bags and settling in a place for two three months and just really making it my home. Um, what I've done now is I started like putting things up on the wall. So I have my my vision board that I made at David Desson and I actually just taped that to the wall. So it feels more homey. It's it's you know it doesn't feel like I'm living in a rental unit. It feels like this is my house. You know. I yeah. went to Trader Joe's and I bought everything that I missed from home. You know, all the nice, you know, types of tea, dark chocolates, uh, but even things like hand soap and body wash and shampoos and things like that, that you, you don't really get out here. And yeah. it's not that they, you know, you can't get shampoo here, but whenever I, you know, open my, you know, take a shower and I'm using like my Dr. Broner's um, peppermint soap, it just reminds me of home. It gives me all of the, kind of the fuzzies and tingles of the comforts that I miss. And it's actually perfect. You know, I can literally go home, you know, once once a year, see all my friends, all my family, stay in, you know, your place or, you know, at my, my buddy uh, David Vu's place and, you know, be able to enjoy that part, but then fill up a second suitcase with mm-hmm. things that I don't mind consuming or throwing away after two or three months or giving away and having the best of both worlds. That's awesome. I I love Shanghai. I don't think Shanghai will ever be a home home to me, but it's a it's a home in Asia, 
But there's there's certain great things that I've realized about coming home to the USA as much as I dog it for a lot of reasons. Like the people here you immediately get on with because it's the same culture. There's a lot of extremely convenient items that you can always pick up. There's a general sense of home. The TV shows are pretty awesome. So it's I've I've really enjoyed it. You know, I've really enjoyed is going to a lot of the small towns in the USA. I think a lot of the cities kind of, you know, they're good, but it's where all the just all the the madness in the US is is centralized. But you you get to some of these small cities that were around like that were booming in like the 50s. Some of these places in Arizona, Oklahoma, Tennessee, some of the places in the south are just amazing, man. Like I've seen some of the coolest places and met some of the nicest people in the South, the the food, the hospitality, the, you know, the all brick sculptures. I really, really like the South. I think it's got a a great future. And there's, there's a lot of comforts up here that you don't experience in other places. So I've enjoyed it, but still missing that, that final piece to the equation. Yeah. I I definitely know what you mean. Like the conveniences of being able to buy anything you want, anytime, anywhere, Mm. you know, especially even having it delivered within sometimes hours, if not the next day. It makes it really easy. The downside to it is it makes us buy so much stuff and just kind of be consumers, you know, because it's so easy to buy. And what that does is not only is it a financial drain, you know, we could have been using that money to invest or save up or, you know, or buy experiences with, but also physically it ties us down just having so much stuff, you know, and feeling like we, we have um, responsibilities, you know, even if it's just like things. Yeah, I spent my average last year, my average spending month was 7,000. My most expensive month of the last 2 years was 13,000. Last month I spent 17,500, which I I just figured out today. I almost threw up. Like that's that's and there wasn't much to this month. You know, it wasn't like I had some big event or some big, you know, blowout spend. It was just hotels every night for across the US. There was flights to the U.S. I just bought flights to Brazil. I bought tickets to a couple different conferences. And then also um, my girlfriend's here with me. Well, when, you're, your girl, when you're living for two people in Chiang Mai, it's nothing. It's not that much more than one person. But when you're living for two people in the U.S., every dinner is 100 bucks. I mean, we're going – every city we're in, we're trying to find a good restaurant – Go to a good restaurant, have a couple glasses of wine, good entrees, tip, tax, you're at 100 bucks. The transit, the travel here is really expensive. The hotels are 150 a night for a pretty shitty like La Quinta Inn. So it gets expensive fast. And that was a big eye opener that I spent 17500 with really nothing to show for it, right? Yeah, I've especially never spent because money like that in a month. You can live a pretty comfortable life in Chiang Mai for an entire year with seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. Not crazy. Like a very it, it good makes, life. Yeah, and I hate this. I hate to blow money. I hate to waste money. And most of my months in Chiang Mai were around six thousand. But you know, I'm going out to eat three meals a day, nice restaurants, buying people, you know, my all my friends drinks, living for two people. So it's um. It was a big eye opener to how expensive life can be here if you're not careful. And, you know, you just got to it's just one one extra thing to balance for sure. So I think a lot of people listening to this might think that you and I are insane for even thinking that number is acceptable or if normal. It's not. It's not acceptable. <laughs> yeah. But even like even I mean, honestly, I have no idea how you spend six grand in Chiang Mai <laughs> per month. Um, I think even now with staying in a room 
that is significantly more. So I used to pay, I think, $350 a month for my apartment. And that was actually considered a very nice apartment. You know, at the cheapest uh, studio they used to stay at was $200 a month. So the fact that I'm spending now 900 or close to a thousand, people think I'm insane, you know, because you can make, you know, you, you can live for a third of the price. But I think the nomad kind of 2.0, the, the kind of next level is being able to enjoy the same quality of life than we would back in the U.S. Uh, but while living in a place like Asia where you have even better food or at least Asian food, you have, mm-hmm. You know, beautiful nature. You have access to the mountains and scuba diving and warm weather year round. But also, you know, more importantly, kind of the community of friends that we've now met from all around the world. So the goal, you know, f- uh, for a lot of people really should be, you know, at least it was for me to not have to live the good life on the cheap uh, and, you know, for forever. Uh, even though that was a very amazing four years of my life that I don't regret. And I'm glad I wrote 12 weeks in Thailand and, you know, and really cemented those four years of my life into a book where people can, you know, can read and they can live that life until they're not happy anymore. And instead of being unhappy and being kind of a grouchy old, you know, retiree in Chiang Mai that's complaining that prices are going up or complaining about, you know, this and that yeah. or, you know, giving up this travel lifestyle, moving back home, you know, and being unhappy there. Instead, have it be a goal to be able to live a very luxurious life and be able to treat out friends and be generous and, you know, spend money on those those expensive things and live in the the expensive high rise or expensive condo. Even if you're spending, you know, two to six grand a month in Chiang Mai and and have ninety nine percent of people here think you're insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of my biggest expensive in Chiang Mai is wine as it is anywhere in the world. But in Chiang Mai, you can't get a decent bottle of wine for, I mean, really, you can't get a decent bottle of wine in Chiang Mai for under like $75 because it's the three three to four times markup. So even if you buy Yellowtail, it's going to cost you 25 bucks, right? 30 bucks. But at Rimping in Maya Mall, I'll go buy, they have pretty good bottles for 50 bucks. But I, I mean, I bought buy 20 bottles of red wine a month between myself and my girlfriend and, you know, people we have over. So that's easily a thousand bucks a month right there. Yeah. And <laughs> it's insane. It's not, you know, it's not necessary, but at the same time, if it makes you happy, if it makes your friends, you know, happy that you can, you can treat out and, you know, and be able to share these cool things with, if anything, to be honest, people appreciate nice things like nice wine, nice chocolates, nice cheese in Chiang Mai more than they would back home because it's hard to get. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, the good thing with Chiang Mai is you cannot blow money. Like you, even the craziest person that goes there cannot, they just can't get out of control. There's just not enough things to spend on. Like there's not limos. There's not, if you go try to pop bottle, the most you're going to pay for a bottle is 40 or 50 bucks, not like, a, you know, $2,000 in Miami. So I, I, one time I took all the, the Muay Thai guys out from the our Muay Thai gym. It was like seven guys. We had like four bottles and it sent me back like, I don't know, like $140 or something, right? It was nothing. That type of thing, you know, that type of thing in South Florida would cost you, you know, seven or 800 bucks. So, or even more. So yeah. it's a, uh, it's a good, good place to contain and, yeah. and preserve. I love it here. So to answer your original question of what I'm planning to do in 2018. So obviously everything changes, but here are the tentative plans. I'm going to stay here in Chiang Mai for all of January, all of February, 
the Nomad Summit is coming up in a few weeks. So I hope to meet some of you guys out here January 20th. And then February is a great month just to chill in Chiang Mai and just kind of relax uh, until the burning season starts. Usually... March 1st could happen, you know, end of February. But basically, by having the freedom to book flights last minute, I'm just going to stay here until it actually starts. Uh, if I was going to estimate, it's going to start, you know, February 25th or something. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm I'm going to either go down to Copenhagen for a month and chill there, or I'm going to head over somewhere beforehand. I, I have no idea where yet. I mean, I might even go... Who knows? I might even go to Nepal just to scope it out for next year. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, I have basically a few months before heading back to Europe this summer because I've realized I love Europe in the summers. It was a yeah. goal for a long time to be able to afford to, you know, to spend summers there. And I'm going to do a little uh, East and West Europe again. That way I can get a full six months there. I'm going to do three months in the Schengen zone and three months in Eastern Europe somewhere. Maybe Croatia, maybe you know, Greece and Iceland. Ukraine again, Iceland. maybe Iceland. Yeah. Iceland. Iceland. So, uh, I'll definitely see you in Europe. And the goal actually is going to be to come back to Chiang Mai. I'll probably go home for a month first, you know, just to see everyone again, probably, uh, September. But the goal is to come back and live here for between probably November, December, January, February again next year maybe even come back a bit sooner and spend five or six months in chiang mai again because i love it here yeah, good for you man good for you so should i say mine yeah, yeah uh, I, would love, I would love to hear yours okay so 2018 i think will be all right so i'm gonna be in oh shit where am i gonna be okay i'm in jacksonville now hold on let me get my let me get my orientation all right so i'm gonna go up to Asheville, carolina north carolina after this that kind of completes my southern tour. So I've tried to hit all the good southern cities to see if there's a place that I'd like to live. There's a lot of great places. Uh, so Asheville will be kind of my, my last stop. Then I'm heading to Miami for a Bitcoin, North America Bitcoin conference. Hopefully hang out, have a couple shots with John McAfee down there uh, and some other really cool guys. Looking forward to that conference. From there, I'm going to a bucket list item, Rio Carnival in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, I'm going to extend a trip. Uh, I was really just going to go for a week. I'm going to extend a trip for about a month and I'm going to try to go down and knock out a couple co- other countries, Uruguay, Paraguay, uh, and then come back up for Rio Carnival and then come back up and head to Denver. I want to check out Denver, Colorado. I've heard great things. Going to spend probably a month there, then go do uh, skiing again in Tahoe which was last year was unbelievable. The people, the environment, the skiing is is second to none in the world. After that, uh, I think I'm going to go down to Colombia for maybe six weeks, down to Medellin, another place I've been. I've been to Medellin four times, but the last time I went was six years ago, so before it got really popular. Uh, I'd like to go spend some time down there. And then hopefully we'll be Iceland. I would love you to come. We're talking about either walking around it, biking around it, or motorcycling around it beautiful country that would put me to the end of june and then after that if it plays out like this year i'm going to want to get to a place and just do nothing for six months and basically just be static work get into a good routine Um, but i would still love to do there's so many places in europe i love in the summer i'd love to meet you up i'd love to do more of the mediterranean there's a couple other countries i want to see i want to do tuscany 
Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I'm not going to make any plans after June because it could go so could go so many ways. Either coming back to the states or going to Asia, or just continuing traveling, depending on how business is going. All right, it sounds good. Let's definitely make a plan to meet up this summer in Europe somewhere. It'll be fun to, to hang out again and, and see your face. Um, for everyone else, kind of listen to the show. You know, have have your have your goals written out because without writing down goals, no matter how elaborate you know, or how un- unlikely it may seem, that's how you get to this point of making it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my big goals just a few years ago was to be able to spend a summer in Europe. And I didn't think it would ever be possible, especially when I was only making, you know, a thousand or two thousand dollars a month, which was more than enough to live in Asia year round, but it was not enough to live in Europe or go to Iceland, which is a very expensive country. Mm-hmm. So that was a goal I wrote down. I thought about for a long time. And now that I can do it, Every summer, you're going to see me in Europe. I love it, buddy. I love it. Where, where's the number one place in Europe you want to go? Uh, You know what? Or we're, spend we're time, s- actually. Yeah, we're going to see because I like literally I, I love all of Europe because it's funny because when people go to Asia, it's exotic to, you know, for them. You know, I'm sure when like when you came to Asia for the first time, your mind was blown like, oh, my God, this is so different. And yeah. For me, because I am, you know, I'm Asian, <laughs> it's not that exotic. <laughs> you know, I like, even though Thailand was pretty exotic because it was different, you know, I grew up in, in the Asian culture. I speak Chinese. I've been in Taiwan tons of times as a kid. So it just wasn't like mind blowing for me. But mm-hmm. when I go to Europe and I'm, you know, and even though I'm obviously growing up in the US, I'm used to, you know, white European people. To me, it's like I'm in this exotic place. The food is different. Yeah. The, the languages are different. The culture is completely different. And it's like my version of, of Asia. Yeah. We've been doing – Was how, how many years have you been going to Europe for summer now? Uh, I think this – I guess – I don't know. I guess this was my second year. Uh, or thir- I think I went for a short trip three years ago. And then last year, I spent three months. And then this year, I pretty much spent six months. Yeah. I, I I love it. It's it's a similar goal for me. I really want to do Macedonia and see kind of follow the Alexander the Great Trail. I love the Med, and I also want to get up in the Scandinavia. Like I want to go across the northern northern most ter- terrain of Norway, Sweden, Finland, and see just like all the the wild wilderness. Twenty four hours of sunlight. I always had a, a a dream of basically doing a barbecue at two a.m. like with all of us in bathing suits and the sun's up. And just like kicking it, it would be so much fun. So endless things to do in Europe in the in the summer, and I still got a ton that I want to do. I love it. I, lo- I love it. And uh, for everyone, if you guys don't know much about Sam's kind of come up journey, if you go to Invest Like a Boss episode one, it's called Sam Mark's Personal Millions and a Show Intro: How He Went from Being an Average Joe to Being Worth Ten Million Dollars. And if you listen to Invest Like a Boss, episode 81, this is our Q4 update of 2017. So basically, everything that we've done in the last year, investment-wise, money-wise, financial goal setting. So if if any of the things that we talked about, like living a big you know, boss life, traveling Europe, doing these cool things, sounds a bit out of reach, take a listen to the episode because that's going to help you have the mindset of success and making enough money to be able to do these big baller bossy things <laughs> well said man it's been a good journey it's been a great year i hope all the listeners out there had an awesome 2017 get those goals in for 2018 i think it's gonna be a great year and let's all collaborate meet up and make it happen together 
I love it. And I love you, buddy. You know, I appreciate you being in my life. I appreciate you being a good friend. I appreciate everything that you do. Um, you know, both kind of just being there as a friend. Personally, I look forward to talking to you every week uh, when we record the intro and outro of Invest Like a Boss. If you guys haven't listened to this podcast yet, please do. It's I, I, I promise you, even if you're not at a point where you are you have the extra money to invest yet, you know, it's this knowledge is invaluable for first off goal setting, but also when you guys do get to that point, you'll know exactly what to do. So thanks again for everyone listening to the show. If you really want to help spread the word of travel like a boss, get this in more people's earbuds, tell a friend, you know, tag a friend, uh, take a screenshot of this. If you're listening on your phone, you know, put it on your Instagram story, tag us, um, share it for go to iTunes, leave a review. And Sam, it's, it's been amazing. And I'm looking forward to a very, very happy and profitable 2018 with you. Me too, buddy. Thanks for having me on Travel Like a Boss. And good luck and best wishes to all the listeners out there. All right. I'll see you guys all next week. Let me know how it goes. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.